Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13 and verse 1. Uh, and just one more thing. I know we mentioned young men's, uh, young men's meeting will be tomorrow night. That is a change uh, on the calendar. Uh, it's scheduled for the following Monday. Uh, but the two guys that usually run young men's meeting will not be able to be there next Monday night. And so to make sure that we still have it because we can't go another month without it, right guys? And so we're going to have it tomorrow night. So simultaneous, we'll have TCG, Today's Christian Girls Club. We'll have men's meeting. We're going to have a Bible study. Uh, guys, if you're able to bring something to eat, um, if you're married to a man that's going to be at men's meeting and you could help him, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, and, but we're going to have uh, a great time of fellowship and Bible study. And then we'll also, Brother Alex Perry is going to lead our young men's meeting uh, tomorrow night. So simultaneous. Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, the Bible says, And I, this is John speaking, the same John that wrote the gospel according to John, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, and his seat, and great authority. Let's now look at Revelation chapter 14, verse 1. And I, again, John speaking, John said, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the mount, on mount Zion, and with him a hundred and forty-four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps, and they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. And everybody say amen. We've got one more scripture that I'll reference here, and that's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. The Bible says, therefore, some of you might know this scripture, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become, everyone say new. All things are become new. Amen. I want to preach with the help of the Lord today, amen, to the precious people of God that I have the privilege of serving today as a messenger from the Lord on this subject, the nature of the beast the nature of the beast. Can you pray together with me? Let's ask the Lord to have his way. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for this day, for the privilege of gathering in this place. Lord, to worship you, to fellowship together, to hear the taught word of God. Lord, I ask that even now, that your spirit that dwells within me would lead me and guide me, that I will be especially keen and sensitive, Lord, to the moving of your spirit in this place and within me, that I will minister the word of God in love, and I pray that it would be received with meekness by every hearer in this place to the salvation of our souls, 
strengthen the body of Christ, convict us of our sins, challenge us to live deeper in you. Lord, call us up, Lord, to where you want us to be. Lord, we thank you for what you have already done and are doing even at this very moment. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen. Amen. Turn before you're seated. Shake hands with someone and say the nature of the beast. Ooh. nature of the beast. My title is actually a figure of speech uh, within the English language. It's the nature of the beast. Uh, someone might say, uh, you get rich quick in the stock market or you can lose your shirt. That's the nature of the beast. They might say life. Life is uncertain, and you just never know what's going to happen next. You don't know what tomorrow might bring. It's just the nature of the beast. Uh, these young people are going to be going back to school <laughs> not too long from now. And while you're in school, you might have a teacher that you don't especially click with. That's just the nature of the beast. Uh, it's a way of saying it comes with the territory. It's, it's, it's the basic inherent quality or character in something or of something, the nature of the beast. But the beast that we read about in Revelation chapter 13 is one that John saw coming up out of the sea. In the book of Revelation, all throughout it's 22 chapters. We are introduced to different characters, characters that are both holy and that are evil. They're revealed in this, this prophetical book of Revelation. And here in chapter 13, we discover two distinct characters. John said that he saw a beast rising up out of the sea. It had seven heads. It had ten horns. And on its horns, it had ten crowns. And upon... His head, the name of blasphemy. It goes on to say that it was like a leopard, but its feet was like that of a bear. It had the mouth of a lion. There was a, another character we're introduced to here that was a dragon. And the dragon was what gave power and position and authority to the beast. It looked like one of its heads, the beast that is, one of its heads was mortally wounded. It was a fatal wound, but yet it was healed. And this caused all the world, you can read it for yourself in Revelation, caused all the world to wonder or to follow after the beast in amazement. And the world would then worship the dragon, which gave power to the beast, and then they would worship the beast. And they would say things like this, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with the beast? For from the mouth of the beast would come great blasphemies or things that were just absolutely contrary to God and his word. Out of his mouth would come great things and blasphemies and there was power that was given unto him to continue doing this. And the Bible's very specific for how long. 
said for three and a half years, for 42 months. When he would open his mouth, this beast would speak against God. He would speak against the name of the Lord. He would speak against the tabernacle and all who dwelled in heaven. He would just be very arrogant, very confident, very prideful, speaking against God openly, speaking against everything that pertained to God. And he would do this for three and a half years. It goes on to say that he would then make war with the saints. He would overcome the saints, having victory over the saints. He would rule over all kindreds and language groups and nations, and all the earth would eventually bow and worship him, except, except those whose names were written in the book of life and of the Lamb. And John, at this point in the chapter, he pauses and he says, if any man has an ear, let him hear. It's a plea. Don't, don't, just, don't just casually read this. Don't just casually hear this. But listen up. Listen up. In verse 11, we're introduced to another beast. And this beast, while the first would come up out of the sea, this beast would come up out of the earth, which would have two horns. Be like a lamb, but he would speak as a dragon. Everyone say dragon. We've got a beast that rose out of the sea. We've got a dragon that would come up out of the earth. And this dragon would exercise the same power that the beast, the first beast, exercised. And he would lead all of the people to worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. He says this again and again. In this chapter of Revelation, this dragon, he would do great wonders. He would persuade people by showing them that fire, he could make fire come down from the sky down to earth. And the purpose of the great wonders would be by deception and for deception. So he would not only use deception, basically he would cause something to appear one way when it wasn't entirely true, but the purpose of the deception was to deceive and persuade the people so that they might worship the statue or the idol of the beast. Again, he says, the beast that was mortally wounded, this time it says, by a sword and did live. The dragon would cause this statue to appear like it came to life. And he would be able to speak. And the people would come and worship the image of the beast. And if they didn't, the Bible says those that didn't worship the image of the beast, they would be killed. It was a life and death situation that he's describing. That those who would not worship the beast would be killed. Causing all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand and in their foreheads so that no one could buy or sell unless they have the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And then he says this, here is wisdom. Let him that has understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of man and his number, does anyone know his number? Six. Six, six, or 666. What a word picture. From the beast that rose out of the sea to the dragon that came up out of the earth to the deception, mass deception of the population of the world. 
to force worship that would cause men to worship or to die. And that the image would, would speak great swelling words and all would come and serve him and take a mark, their foreheads, their right hands. The number 666. The possibility of something like this perhaps has seemed so far off, but now seems really not far-fetched. With modern technology, such as the advent of the telephone, television, internet, social media, did you know that right now, on a daily basis, 2.936 billion people use Facebook on the daily? But beyond that, you have the global economy. You've got the United Nations. And even more recently, in the past couple of years, we haven't stopped hearing about the center of disease control for our country, but even beyond that, the World Health Organization that has a voice in all countries. The world seems to be growing increasingly smaller. Mankind, it is now apparent, is willing to surrender individual sovereignty, choice, and liberty all for the basis of convenience. So it doesn't seem as far-fetched perhaps as it did maybe 50 years ago, 100 years ago. But here is this beast, and one of the primary characteristics of the beast who had been given power and allowed to do what he's going to do for three and a half years, to speak blasphemy and great swelling words, to speak against God, to speak against all those in heaven, to speak against the saints and to make war with the saints and overcome the saints. He's allowed to do this, but can we expect anything else from the beast? If we're going to see this beast of revelation that would be this symbolic creature that would oppose God, his people, and all of heaven, can we expect anything else from him? Jesus, in one of his dialogues with the Jews, specifically on a certain day where he was speaking to Jews who trusted in their lineage from Abraham. The Bible says in John 8, 39, they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus says unto them, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do the works of your father Abraham. But instead, what are you doing? You're seeking to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I've heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds, he says, of your father. They said unto him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. This is getting heated. It's getting intense. They're saying, Abraham's our father. He says, if you were of your father, you wouldn't be trying to kill me. You would recognize that I'm speaking to you the truth that is from God. But you are speaking from your father. They're saying we weren't born in sin. We weren't born of fornication. God is our father. And Jesus continues to narrow the conversation. And he says to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you can't hear my word. Are you ready for this? He says, you are of your father, the devil. And the lust or the desires of your father, that's what you're doing. 
He was a murderer from the very beginning. He did not abide in the truth because there was no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a a liar, and he's the father of all lies. When Satan speaks a lie, he is speaking who he is. He is speaking what is inside of him. Out of his mouth can come almost nothing but lies because that is what he is. So is it any surprise that we read about in the book of Revelation chapter 13 that there is this beast that comes forth from the sea and this dragon from the earth that speaks lies and blasphemies and things against God, against heaven, against the saints. While we understand the way that the beast and the dragon are described to be symbolic, the intention is clear. I hope I have a church that stays with me today while I preach. The intention is made clear in Revelation chapter 13. The intention is this. It is deception and it is intimidation with the desired result being fear. This beast and dragon that will one day rule the earth and be allowed to rule for 42 months, will do so through deception and intimidation, ruling in fear. The beast and the dragon are figures of the forces of the kingdom of darkness. Listen to me now. Revelation 12, verse 9, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He says it again in Revelation 20, verse 2. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. While not revealed in the way that the 13th chapter of Revelation describes, the filthy, perverse, unclean spirit of the deceiver is already at work among us. The apostle said it this way. While the Antichrist is to come, the spirit of Antichrist is already at work now. He is attempting to rule people now with deception and with intimidation. The apostle Peter, he warned the church 2,000 years ago with these words found in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. He said, you better be sober, you better be out from the influence of the world and be vigilant or watchful. Why? Because the adversary, the devil, he's like a roaring lion and he walks about seeking whom he may devour. He devours the same way he seeks to rule, through deception and through intimidation, resulting in fear. The Bible says that our adversary is like, he is not a lion, but he presents himself as a lion. He roams about and he roars through his intimidation, this voice of him that goes forth and he seeks to consume or devour people. Have you ever felt like something is consuming you? Have you ever felt like you have been consumed by something? Doesn't matter where you turn, where you go, whether you're asleep or awake, you are consumed. And if you are honest with yourself, this thing you're consumed with is not of the Lord. It is not in alignment with his word. It is not benefiting your relationship with the Lord. I'm telling you, you better check the influences of your life that might in fact be consuming you because the enemy 
of your soul. He is walking about seeking whom he may devour, whom he may consume. And so you've got to be watchful. But don't stop reading. Don't stop reading with chapter 13. Because the book gets better the further you go into it. You go from Revelation chapter 13, where we're introduced to the beast and the, to the dragon who, who ruled by intimidation, by fear, by deception. But now, John says, and I looked and lo, a lamb. We're introduced to another character. We're introduced to a lamb. But notice how different the word picture. This is a lamb that stood on Mount Zion. And with him 144,000 having his father's name written in their forehead or in their minds and in their thoughts. There was a voice that came from heaven like the voice of many waters and the voice of a great thunder. And there was beautiful music beyond what description could afford. And he says there was a song that was being sung. The song was a new song song and the song came forth from people that had been redeemed from the earth who then kept themselves pure and holy and they followed the leading of the lamb wherever he went oh the tr the contrast the the difference between the figures drawn out in chapter 13 and the figure drawn out in chapter 14 could not be more different. While on the one hand you have the kingdom of darkness represented by the dragon and the beast leading with deception and fear and all sorts of perverse, perverseness trying to intimidate people and saying if you don't follow me you're going to die. Then on the other hand we have a lamb, a gentle creature representing our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, who stands firmly and with him there's 144,000 and there's a song that's being sung by those who have been redeemed. There's beautiful music and there's people that will follow the lamb wherever he goes. I find that God is not seeking here for people that will be in abject servanthood but he's looking for people that will behold the lamb of God and say I will follow him wherever he leads me. God is not seeking to force you into subjection, but he's inviting you into relationship. He's inviting you to follow the gentle leading of the Lamb of God. Oh, someone clap your hands and be thankful if he has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light by the voice that has gone forth from the Lamb of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He doesn't rule with deception. He doesn't rule with intimidation. He doesn't cause his follower, call his followers to bow and shiver in fear. No, but rather he gives you the perfect love of God, which, oh, in contrast, cast out fear. For there is no Love, there's no fear in love. He gives us a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. Instead of intimidation, he gives us a peace that the world cannot give and that the world cannot take away. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Oh, for the kingdom of light that invites us, amen, into relationship with this loving God. Oh, praise God. Now, make no mistake, we do see in Revelation chapter, I believe, 5, verse 5, that the Lord is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And make no mistake that he can roar, and the wrath of God will, 
one day be poured out on the unrighteousness of man. But in this day now, we are willing to bow our knee before the Lamb of God, the name of the Lord. Now maybe there are some here that feel about yourself like David did about himself. In Psalm 51 and verse 5, which was a prayer of repentance after David had been discovered in his sin of both adultery and murder. The Bible records this beautiful psalm, this prayer of David. It starts out saying, have mercy upon me according to your loving kindness. Blot out my transgressions, Lord, according to your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. And in verse 5 David, as he is remorse and repenting of his sin, he says, Behold, Lord, look upon me, for I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. He is reflecting, many commentators would believe that he's reflecting on his origin, on his birth. Some even speculate that potentially David was born out of an affair that his father had with a mistress. When he says, I was born in iniquity. I was, I was in sin did my mother conceive me rather. Essentially, he's, he's saying, Lord, I have sinned, but when I consider my origin, I did what I was born to do. Think about this. Paul, he writes in the book of Romans in chapter 3 and verse 23, you know this scripture perhaps, he says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then in chapter 5 and verse 12, he says, wherefore by as one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, the Apostle Paul writes to this young leader in the church, Timothy, and he says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save. Do you know who he came to save? Who? Sinners. He came to save sinners. And Paul said, of whom I am chief. I'm the worst of the worst. He came to save sinners of whom I am the worst. You know why sinners are called sinners? Because sinners sin. Paul was proposing in Romans that when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, while the woman was deceived by the serpent, Adam no full well what he was doing when he chose to reject the word of the Lord and to accept disobedience. And Paul says that from Adam's disobedience, death has passed upon all men, for all have sinned. You see, even uh, Christologically speaking or theologically speaking, looking at the word of God, you don't have to search far. You don't have to be some scholar to know why Christ was born of a virgin. 
The Bible says that the Holy Ghost overshadowed a virgin who had never known a man. And she gave birth to a child, a son. And that his name would be called Jesus, which means the Lord has become our salvation or our Savior. But how could he become our Savior if he was born in sin like everybody else? He had taken on the fallen nature from man to man to man, from the first man to this man. But no, that was not the case. The Bible says that he was without sin. No sin was found in him. He was not born with an inherent or a DNA of a sinful man, but he was born as a sinless man. Though he was tempted in every way as we're tempted, but he was without sin so that he might become sin for us. But you and I and us and we, we were born in sin. We were born with a fallen nature. You and I were born with the propensity or we were already leaning towards sin. It seems like you don't have to teach your children to be disobedient. You don't have to teach your children how to steal. You don't have to teach your children how to lie. Why? Because it's in our nature. We are sinners, sinners, sin. And it's like David said, I know I have fallen far from you, and I'm asking you to restore unto me the joy of your salvation. I'm asking you to forgive all of my sins and trespasses. But remember, Lord, remember how I was born. I was born a sinner. Just as we look at the beast of Revelation 13, understanding him to be symbolic of the representation of the authority of Satan himself, who is the father of all lies. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks out of his own nature. So it is with us. When a person sins, they sin out of their own nature, their own birth, first birth nature. The struggle is real. Can I get an amen? Listen to Romans chapter 7, verse 14, as Paul elaborates on this subject, and he says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal. Paul's like, I'm just going to keep it honest here, folks. I'm carnal, sold under sin. Many think that he is referring to his unregenerate self before he was born again. He says, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. He says, the things I want to do, I don't do them. And the things I don't want to do, are you going to leave me up here all by myself today? The things I don't want to do, I do. And the struggle is real. The war within me is real. He says, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. He says, in my humanity, there's nothing good about it. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. He says, I want to do good. I want to live for God. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a great father. I want to be a child of God. I want to be faithful to church. I want to do what is right. I want to love my neighbor as myself. I don't want to cheat. I don't want to lie. I don't want to steal. I don't want to commit murder in my heart. I don't want to commit fornication with my eyes. Lord, I don't want to do that way. I don't want to live that way. I don't want to do it. I want to do that which is good. I have the desire, but Lord, I don't have the follow-through. 
He said, for the good that I would do, I do not, but the evil which I would not, I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but the sin that dwells in me. I find a law that when I would do good evil, it seems to be present with me. Oh, the struggle is real. Has anybody ever left a Holy Ghost-filled service and walked out of these doors and it seems like you haven't even stepped foot inside your house and the enemy is there laughing at you and the temptation is all around you and the opportunities to fall away from what you just received in the house of God is there ready, ready like a snare, a trap for a bird oh, to catch you as a prey. He says, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me for I delight, I delight in the law of God after the inward man. The man inside of me, my spirit, my soul, it cries and craves and desires the law of God. Oh, while my carnal nature despises the word of God, I know that there's something in me that wants the right thing, that wants the words of life, that wants truth. He says, I see another law in my members warring against the war, law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh! not enough to say all that. Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? It's just the nature of the beast. I said, it's just the nature of the beast. When we see fallen humanity, and and let me speak uh, of outside these four walls, let me speak of our society and our culture and government, man-made government, and even in our schools, when we see the degeneration of the morality of our society and culture and of mankind, why are we surprised? Why are we surprised? Sinners sin. And the further we get away from the garden, and the further we get away from God's ideal for man, the further we go into the darkness of immorality and all sorts of untold atrocities against the word and the will of God. And he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? But thank the Lord that Paul didn't stop there on that miserable scripture. (laughs) He says, before I close out this chapter and move to the next thought, I want you to know I thank my God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's the one that's able to deliver. He's the one that, listen, why, why, why do I have the propensity to sin? Why, do, why am I bent towards doing that which is wrong? Because it's just the nature of my flesh. It's just the nature of my humanity. It's the nature of the beast. Oh, but I thank God that I see another law, the law of the spirit that says you don't have to live in the pit of immorality that the world forecasts for your life. But Thank be to God. I can overcome. He has made me more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loves us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And this is where we go to our third text in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be, someone say, in Christ. If any man, someone say, in Christ. Therefore, if any man, someone say, in Christ. If you're in Christ, 
You are a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are becoming new. The way I was born the first time, it was just the nature of the beast. It was just the nature of my flesh. It was like I couldn't help myself. Nobody had to teach me to lie. Nobody had to teach me to be dishonest. No, nobody had to teach me to steal. It was just the nature of my fallen nature. But when I was born again, I no longer had to be a victim to the pressures that the world is trying to squeeze me into its mold that says this is what your daddy was. This is what your granddaddy was, and this is what you'll be. But thanks be unto God, I made a new creature in Christ Jesus. And I know there's another law in my inward man, the law of the Spirit, that says you can rise above the fallen nature that you were born with. I said if you will be born again. I said if you'll be born again of water and of the Spirit. Oh, thank the Lord, I can have Christ in me, which is the hope of glory. I could have the spirit of adoption whereby I could cry, Abba! Father, pick me up. Like a little child calls out to their father, pick me up. Pick me up. Take me in your arms. Rescue me from this body of sin. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Stand together with me. Ah, the nature of the beast. But I thank the Lord for the truth that Paul spoke of. That this end, to this end, did Christ come into the world that he would save sinners. Of which I am chief, Paul says. I was the worst of the worst. I stood there while they killed the first Christian martyr. I stood there and accepted it. I stood there and smiled at it. I stood there and condoned it. He was a murderer of a Christian man. He was a murderer of a child of God. And he stood there and said, you're doing the right thing. Go ahead. Throw another rock. Go ahead and kill Stephen. Go ahead and get rid of his life from this earth. And while Stephen said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And he fell asleep and gave up the ghost. There Saul was. And it seemed like he couldn't erase that image from his mind. All he could see from that day forward, I can imagine, was the death of Stephen. He felt like he was doing the right thing. But one day on his way to Damascus, there was a light that shone from heaven above the light of the noonday sun. And there came a voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you? Lord I must not know who you are and the voice returned and said I am Jesus whom you persecute I'm so thankful that the Lord found me I was on my way to a sinner's hell but he came and shone down on my life and called me up out of darkness oh if you thank God for that would you clap your hands everybody go ahead and lift up to the Lord a shout of praise and be thankful unto him Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me finish what the book of Revelation tells us. The Bible says that there's this 
beast and this dragon and there's these intimidating, deceiving creatures that seek to rule the earth by fear. The day is approaching, but hear me now. Their time will be limited to those 42 months. But when those 42 months have expired, the Bible says that there will be an angel from God that will take a chain and he will take the dragon and he will bind him. One angel from heaven will bind the dragon who sought to make war with the saints and rule over the earth. The Bible says that there's going to come this Lamb of God. He will ride on a white horse. On his thigh will be said he's King of kings and Lord of lords. And the Bible says with the brightness of his coming, he will destroy the forces that oppose him. The Bible said out of his mouth will come a two-edged sword. Do you know what that two-edged sword is? It's the word of God. The same word that was able to create the heaven and the earth at the beginning is the same weapon that's able to destroy the dragon and the beast in the end. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo. I'll tell you who's going to have the last word. It's the Lord of Lords. It's the King of Kings that every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we lift our hands all across this place? Oh, let's just honor and recognize the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the earth. And he gently seeks to lead you. He gently seeks to lead you to waters, living waters, to make you to lie down in green pastures. He's here in this place. I know that some of you, you feel like you've got a besetting sin. You've got a weight that so easily slows you down in this Christian life. But I feel that the presence of the Lord is here saying, I can make you an overcomer. I can give you victory over that besetting sin. Come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. If you're here today and you've only been born once, it's time that you be born again. If you've never repented of your sins, been baptized in the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and been filled with his spirit today is the day that you could be in Christ and be a new creature made a new creature that old things can pass away and it starts with faith it starts with repentance it starts where every one of us in this place should start Lord we surrender to your lordship I don't want you just to be my savior or my healer I want you to be my Lord I'm going to open up this front area for those that would like to respond to this message and come with lifted hands and say, Lord, I want to be a part of that number that sings a new song. I want to be a part of that number that is of the redeemed, that makes a beautiful noise and a song to you that will follow wherever you lead me. If you're here and you're thankful that you've been born again, that you are no longer a child of iniquity, but you're a saint of God. You're a child of the Lord. Come and just thank him. Come with lifted hands and begin to thank him. If you have sin in your heart, in your life, come and repent, for he has forgiveness waiting for you. Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for the things I have said or seen or thought or done that are not in alignment with your word or your will for my life or your purpose. Here I am. 
I ask you to forgive me. Now I'm inviting all who would. Would you come? Just join this church family around this front area and let's respond to the presence of God and the word of God that has gone forth in this place and say, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I give myself to you. Oh, Lord, I understand that I was born with a fallen nature that is bent towards sin. Lord, that when I sin, I sin of my fallen nature, out of my fallen nature that was passed on to me from Adam when he disobeyed God. And that leads unto death. But, Lord, we could be in Christ today. We could be born again. We could be given a new cre- uh, made a new creature given a new nature by the spirit of adoption. That's it. Lift up our voices. Let's thank the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Let's surrender to his power, to his presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 That's it. Go ahead and respond to the word of God. Or maybe you can help somebody else respond to his word and pray with someone. Lead someone to repentance today. Pray with someone and lead them to repentance. Lead them to life. Lead someone to the waters of baptism if they've never been baptized in the name of Jesus. Lead someone to pray and ask to be filled with the spirit, the resurrection power that is intended for all believers to Dwelling the in same God Jesus. who made a way. Oh, it's the same, same God, God who's here today. Even in my